0: Hey green future growers, welcome to season three. I'm your host, Jackie Marie Byer. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes for free or follow on your favorite podcast app and let's get growing. Record so I don't start talking without the important stuff. Um Okay, well, what happened to the winterberry woman? Okay, well, we're not gonna worry about that. Okay, you're in Colorado. Well, this is fantastic. It's so funny. I was just checking my email to see if you joined the Zoom meeting. And here's an email from Homestead and Chill, how to grow organic cannabis. So that's awesome to see because Montana just legalized her recreational use. And in in January of this year and so my husband and I are constantly getting questions how do you do that and and yada 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 um and and then we also have questions here in Montana like you're going to be able to grow your own you're not going to get arrested for having an ounce but um you're not going to be able to buy seeds you're not going to be able to sell it you're not going to be able to buy it from anybody the Montana Republican legislature is trying to get it repealed already um i've been researching this book an interesting fact i found is maine actually legalized it for recreational use in 2016 and had their first recreational sales in october of 2020 which i think is such an interesting fact four Mm -hmm. years Um, Montana looks like it's following suit. People are up in arms over our new governor because the money from the taxes, from all the money we're going to make from the recreational sales of the cannabis is supposed to go to um, land conservation because in Montana, we are being inundated with people moving here. Like since COVID hit and remote, Possibilities like mm-hmm. it's just the real estate market is booming like crazy, so and um what does he want to do? Oh, so so land is being sold. They just sold one hundred twenty eight thousand. I've had loggers in my yard standing around the campfire, talking about this one hundred twenty eight thousand dollars. Right or twenty hundred and twenty eight thousand acres of private land that just transferred to this one person um some texas oil guy um and and so the money from the cannabis sales is supposed to go to conserve land for hunters and anglers and fishermen and make sure that they still have access to all their lands and so they're all up in arms that the governor wants to use the money to give tax breaks to um Out-of-state entrepreneurs who are supposed to come in and create all these big jobs. And so I'm like, who are these out-of-state entrepreneurs that are going to create big jobs? What are the jobs? The money is supposed to be used to uh, make sure that the land is conserved. The other thing he's all upset about, he wants to take the money from the sales of the cannabis that we're all going to get to grow, except for we're not going to get to grow. To 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 uh to invite these entrepreneurs from out of state because he doesn't believe that we have entrepreneurs living in state that can do mm. it. He doesn't want to give them small business people tax credits to be able to pay $15 an hour or provide health care. The people who mostly employ local people that I know. Um, yesterday i spent the morning looking at who are the biggest employers in the state so who are the biggest employers in the state ups delivering all the out-of-state amazon packages so uh (laughs) jeff bezos can get rich Mm -hmm. um not that i don't personally love amazon myself my mom and i are always fighting about that (laughs) um who's the other one town pump exxon mobil uh Walmart so are, are these the three big companies he wants to bring in to provide all these high paying jobs where Walmart you have to subsidize to pay for <sighs> anyway my get listeners want to hear from you but it's interesting because yesterday morning I was doing all this research on the economics and and where is this going because I'm seeing people are just upset like crazy about all these issues and uh Tell us what's going on in Colorado. <laughs> uh,
1: well, as you know, Colorado and the state of Washington were one of the, you know, the first two states to legalize for adult use cannabis, which, you know, I've been a medical marijuana activist since the early 2000s. And I got to tell you, it was even I was surprised. Perhaps I had a conservative prediction back in the 2000s about, just getting to medical access for patients um so i moved here <laughs> to denver in 2014 to begin working for ncia the national cannabis industry association um, i moved here from washington dc actually um so i've been here for seven years so i like i said i've been a medical marijuana activist for a long time but wow, just to be able to walk into a dispensary. And this is 2014. I was just mind blown. Get in there, choose what I want and get out and no fanfare, no brouhaha, no nothing. It was, it was amazing. So here in Colorado, one thing that was a little slow was delivery. Now, California has delivery. Other states are getting delivery. We're slowly getting there. I believe Governor Jared Polis who used to be a congressman also, and one of the champions of cannabis issues in, in the House of Representatives. He's now our governor. Um, so he has uh, created a plan to roll out delivery, delivery services, yay, um, sometime later this year, uh, at least in the metro area. So that's going to be a game changer. Um, and, and it continue considering this pandemic is still going on. And, you know, a lot of people still want to stay safe. I think deliveries. A great thing to see coming here in Colorado. That's the next big thing we're all waiting for. Okay. I probably should back up and introduce you. i just
0: started my rant because it's just like it's been so fresh in my head and like people are asking me questions and like when we first <laughs> leave when you know january 1st came around like a lot of the questions were like jackie you know how do we grow this and how we and again like where do you get the seeds and just everybody thinks overnight they're like I was like, well, <laughs> well wait a minute we gotta back up there's still a lot of negative to say nothing of like the rick simpson cannabis oil and the benefits to it and like anyway but um let me introduce you. So it's Bethany. What's your last name? It's Moore. Bethany
1: Moore. Bethany Moore from the National. NCIA is the National Cannabis Industry Association. Um, we were established about 11 years ago in the year 2010. And like I said earlier, I joined the team in January of 2014, about seven years ago. Um, so NCIA works on federal policy. Uh, we don't really get involved in the individual states as much, um, although we did do some fundraising for Michigan. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we have lobbyists in Washington, D.C. that represent the industry nationwide. And our our big focus, in a, in addition to legalization the right way, is um, safe banking, the Safe Banking Act. We still have a lot of financial issues for, for license holders across the country, whether it's a cultivation or a dispensary or or an edibles manufacturing facility or even an analytical lab, to be honest. These are all considered direct-to-plant, and many people are having trouble, I'm sure as you know, um, getting full financial services. So that's one of our priorities, as well as a little line in the tax code, Section 280E, that doesn't allow cannabis businesses to take normal tax business deductions. So people think the cannabis industry, the individual operators are making money hand over fist. But honestly, there's a lot going on there behind the scenes that's preventing them from being treated just like any other business in America. But we're getting there.
0: Well, even I reached out to the Montana Organic Association and said, hey, can you put a post on the Facebook group that says hey i'm interested in starting a group that's um the montana organic cannabis association because i want to see regulations put into place about growing organic cannabis i feel like you know a lot of the problem is people are buying these products they don't know what they're buying it's totally unregulated they're overdosing eating like 25 gummy bears and then you know the big questions people have oh what about driving accidents and oh Colorado the number of incidences of people going into and and even like um you know it's true people are smoke and the buds today are like these high potency like I don't know and then have you read the what is it the the book that came out about the new um the new Chardonnay was so good uh, that Heather Cabot wrote about um, making drinks. But uh, the Montana Organic Association wrote me back and like, we don't want to have anything to do with cannabis because banks can't touch it and mm. yada, yada, yada. Like, it, it's like crazy. It's There's tough. so much about this topic. So I'm, I'm so fascinated. Yeah, people have no idea and... Uh, I'm fascinated with your path. And so you are from the federal, but they sent you to Denver. <laughs> and then what do you do in Denver? Like, you have
1: a federal office? So it's just the lobbyists that are in DC. Um, so the the most of our staff, you know, serves our membership. So the, all these operators I'm mentioning, as well as the ancillary like the accounting firms that serve cannabis and the lawyers and the marketing companies, they're all members of NCIA. So we're fighting for them in DC. But we also are a full service trade association. So we have tons of education. We have webinars. Um, If it weren't a pandemic, we have our award-winning trade shows and conferences and networking events. Um, So we're doing the work in D.C. on behalf of the cannabis industry so the cannabis industry can focus on running their businesses, to be honest. And in the meantime, we also provide all this amazing education, like I said, weekly webinars. I host our weekly podcast, um, NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, So, I'm interviewing operators every week, talking about their best practices, their struggles, um, and making some optimistic predictions for the industry, especially with this new Congress, new administration. We've got some friendlier people in Congress. Um, So, in addition to helping the cannabis industry just run their businesses better and a little bit of peace of mind that there's people working on their behalf in DC, the rest of us are serving the membership with education, resources. I work with members to publish educational content on our blog and our newsletter. And like I mentioned, our weekly podcast and some video updates and all that fun stuff. So we're really trying to keep everyone informed uh, and inspired and educated.
0: So you said you started out as a medical marijuana activist Mm -hmm. uh how did that like tell us that story
1: oh sure um the year was 2003 no i don't know um yeah i i had been just a couple years dropped out of college my dad got sick i had to drop out but i stayed active in the dc maryland area um and met some great people um There was a social media platform called Friendster for like just a second. I don't know if anyone remembers it, but I met some great people on Friendster, including someone who's now, uh, you know, very well known in the cannabis industry. A lot of people, actually. We were all little baby activists back then. So I had been using cannabis to deal with depression and anxiety uh, myself. And then I met some other people who were involved and at the time I was doing kind of interfaith work. Um, I'm a pagan, practice witchcraft, whatever. So church-state separation is really important to me and and, diversity is really important to me. And I met uh, Troy Dayton, who was working just this tiny little outfit called the Interfaith Drug Policy Alliance, Uh, or initiative, sorry, (laughs) I had to think about that acronym, IDPI, Interfaith Drug Policy Initiative. So they were uh, educating um, Black Southern Baptist communities and Jewish communities about the stigma of cannabis, particularly. Anyway, I met him, just got inspired by all the different groups out there. So I ended up hooking up with Americans for Safe Access, the Maryland chapter of Americans for Safe Access. You know, we're just hanging out on a Thursday night and on a Sunday afternoon, handing out flyers at the little, you know, market or Maybe heading out to Annapolis for for a hearing, trying to convince the good old boys that marijuana is not laced with PCP. And, you know, it was a different time. (laughs) Um, We were just fighting for patients to have access without getting arrested at that time. Um, uh, so we've, which they are still today in crazy numbers, right? Right. I mean, I'm, I'm on our website right now, the cannabisindustry.org, looking at our state policy map and the adult use States are dark green. The medical States are light green. And then I'm looking at the map and there's a lot of gray and these are the States that, you know, we need to get to know those members of Congress. We need to educate the public in those States And we need to start changing those laws. I was excited to see decriminalization in a few states on the East Coast that are more conservative traditionally. So just got to get more of that happening. Got to get these gray states green. And so how do we do that?
0: What's been working? (laughs)
1: Um, Well, there's uh, groups out there like uh, Marijuana Policy Project and some other Organizations that traditionally go in and do the ballot initiative fundraising and education, and getting regular citizens, regular people that are just passionate about this involved. Honestly, you can call your member of Congress anytime you want and just say, Hey, wondering where you stand on some of these issues. And here's why I think you should co sponsor this bill or why I think you. Uh, you should support this legislation and why people shouldn't be behind bars because of a plant Um, and, you know, educate them. We have some great resources on our website too. We have talking points you can take to your member of Congress, to your local legislators. Do you
0: think people are scared to speak up?
1: Of course they are, but it's their job to hear from you. And The toothpaste isn't going back in the tube. Let me tell you this much. Um, Freedom is prevailing. People are not going to go back to to this draconian war on drugs. We're just not doing it. We've made too much progress. I would encourage anyone that wants to get involved to just embolden yourself with information and find a group to get involved with. There's strength in numbers. Uh, So if you're not comfortable making that phone call by yourself... Uh, hook up with someone who has a little bit more experience talking to members of Congress. And, you know, practice makes perfect. It's really not that scary. And some of them are really nice well
0: calling and- calling your congressman i'm always encouraging the the people on the end of the phone are going to be polite they're going to take your name and number they're not going to argue with you whether they agree with you or not and your congress people whether they agree with you or not they need those phone calls they need that backup when it's important to call but when you're talking about something that can you know, you can get arrested for, you can lose your job over. I think, I think it's a different kind of heads. You know, it's not like calling up and a being like, I support sustainable agriculture. I know when, when, you know, or I support, you know, what was it? I just the last thing I called Steve Dean's about, I was like, I want you to explain to me why you think this was a fraudulent election. <laughs> and apparently enough people called that he took his name off of that thing,
1: um, Ah. the day
0: of the, and it was, it's super easy. The people on the end of the line are nice. Like, again, you either get a recording or you get a live person. They are going to be the most polite that that is their job. They're not going to argue with you. You have more power than you think somebody like me living in a state of Montana where we have two senators as compared to California who only has two senators for 6 zillion times the amount of people. I mean, I would love to see California be a North California and a Southern California that Montanans with only a million people have the same amount of, and that's why the Senate has all the power it does. You got it. Um, what did Mike tell me about North Dakota this morning is shutting down um They're making it illegal to develop wind farms because it's taking money away. It's taking jobs away from coal or something. Mm -hmm. You know, why does does North Dakota have two senators, but California only has two. So we've got to change that because every state has 50 senators and that's why the Senate has so much power, but yeah, it's not that part. But when you talk about cannabis, like, I know somebody who had their medical marijuana card, and they went to get their CDL, their physical exam for their CDL here in Montana a few years back. And the doctor literally gave him the physical exam, and when he went in to approve the person for their CDL, they said but you have a, do you have a green card? Do you have a medical marijuana card? Now that is supposed to be 100% private in a database that nobody's ever supposed to see supposedly. And he could literally not approve the person for their commercial driver's license. Mm. And so that person was not able, but meanwhile you can have an opioid, you can have a prescription for painkillers for when you're done at the end of the day, Yeah. you know, and then there's that whole safer buck about, Why are we, you know, like somebody in the Facebook group the other day in our community Facebook group wanted to know, is there a place I can get gummies to help me sleep at night? And people were posting, oh, it's a gateway Jug," and oh this. And I want to write back so badly. Hey, how many freaking beer signs are there between The town pump at the south side of town and the four corners at the north, you know, this two-mile strip in our town. How many bars you are going to tell us about a gateway drug? This is a drug you can come home and you can smoke and you can still go running after work. You can still take care of your kids. You can still, I'm sorry, you can still drive safely, I personally think. I mean, people do it. We live in a county where kids can order a they could probably find a bag of pot easier than they can order a pizza from Domino's, (laughs) you know, keeping it in unregulated market, keeping it on the black market. When medical marijuana came about here in 2004 or 2008, when they started having all those cannabis caravans here in the state, it was the total wild west of the medical marijuana thing. The price of an ounce of illegal marijuana dropped from $300 an ounce to $150 an ounce. Like overnight, boom. All of a sudden, if you had a marijuana card, you could get the really kind green buds for $150 an ounce. It wiped the illegal people out of business. So if you really care about getting rid of cartels and you want to get rid of drug dealers, and you don't want kids being able to get a bag of pot from a... Um, so anybody on the street who wants to make money, who, you know, it's so much more, um, valuable being illegal if you really care about that you're going to get a regulated market and don't tell me that it's a gateway drug but meanwhile beer you can buy at eight o'clock on saturday morning which i completely forgot about till i went to get a box at seven thirty of wine the other day and they were like we can't sell this to you and i was like what and they're like not till eight o'clock and i was like but i'm here because i'm the old person shopping in the pandemic <laughs> oh whatever Ever <laughs> you know, tell me about a gateway drug, this gateway drug, you know is so much better for moms like who was who was complaining the other day, the teachers on the covid call, oh, who's getting their marijuana delivered during the day? The parents want the babysitters back so they can get their marijuana. Well, you know why because they can't go shop for it when their kids it doesn't mean they're home smoking it then they might be smoking it after the kids go to bed. Or maybe they are, I don't know, but it's better for them to smoke that than it is for them to drink the glass of wine that, you know, maybe is going to intoxify their brain where they can't do any of these things and is going to, you know... (sighs)
1: yeah i mean honestly it's not
0: a gateway drug (laughs) remember when you were like are you sure you want me to come on your show and
1: i was like yes (laughs) i'm just gonna talk policy the whole time but i mean (laughs) it's not a gateway drug it's an exit drug to your point it has it It has helped people reduce or get off of prescription painkillers or heroin even so as you increase, legal alcohol,
0: access, which like how much domestic violence, you don't know how many men I have met in this community that like, my husband used to drink a lot and we used to spend a lot of time at the bar. I know women who have kids who have had their kids taken away who, you know, now s- smoke it
1: and stay off the alcohol. Like, oh. right. right. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we're adults and you know, whether a medical professional suggests cannabis or or you decide that you want to take some CBD gummies or or CBN, we've got CBN gummies here in Denver now. I'm so What's excited. CBN? Um, it's really good for putting you to sleep. Um, it's great. So I'm not to go off on a different topic, but I'm super excited about the cannabis science. There's all these cannabinoids. Everyone talks about THC and CBD. CBD. But there's CBN and CBA and like there's there's other cannabinoids that do specific things. There's cannabinoids that increase your appetite. There's cannabinoids that reduce your appetite. It's it's really fascinating. And the science is catching up. And now I can get these gummies with CBN in them and makes me fall asleep in like 15 minutes. Fantastic. So the science is there. And uh I, I think you were mentioning, you know, the high THC levels. Um, you know, that's cool and all, but honestly, like for someone like me, my sweet spot is like 15 to 17 percent THC, not 23 to 25. Or
0: lower. Like that's right. my big complaint. <laughs>
1: depends on what you're lower. lower, what you're lower, lower. For. <laughs> yeah, it depends on what you're going for. And you want to be able to manage those doses, even in an adult use um, situation. So, uh, to, to know, uh, I mean, we have limitations where, um, on, in the adult use market, an individual gummy or an individual square of chocolate cannot be more than 10 milligrams a piece. Now that goes up. If you have a medical, you have access to different products. If you have medical, because the idea is you need higher doses because you're probably managing pain. Um, but if you're in the adult use market, um, at least here in Colorado, and, and I'm seeing in other states as well, they're doing a standardized dose of 10 milligrams per piece. I think that makes sense, particularly for people who aren't sure how much they need. And of course, it's start low, go slow, take take your 10 milligrams and wait an hour and a half and see how you feel and learn your body and learn learn how your relationship with the cannabis plant works and it's different for everyone. And some people like that super diesel OG chem dog crunch that's 26% THC. But for me, I kind of like a little, uh, little lemon, something or other, or maybe a lavender that's a little bit lower. Cause like I mentioned earlier, I treat anxiety and depression. So I'm, I'm really not trying to get amped. I'm trying to calm down. <laughs>
0: have you seen that new show mr mayor with ted danson oh my gosh it's so no. hysterical oh it's so funny and like <laughs> it's uh which station i think it's on each i don't know what station it's on we just got direct tv instead of um network after 20 years to get hbo back so i don't know i just found this new show with it's called mr mayor and he becomes the mayor of california of uh, los angeles because his wife died and his 13 year old daughter he's like some multi-billionaire that made his fortune selling billboards and um and he's kind of this goofy you know mayor and then He wants his 13 year old daughters, like telling her friend on the phone one day, my dad doesn't do anything. He just sits around all day and watches TV. And he's like, his feelings are hurt because he's like, I retired to be with you when your mom died. and, And now you think I'm lazy. You don't know what I do. And there's, I don't know, somehow he wins the mayor, but he really has no idea what he's doing. He's kind of a clown. But he's also like very passionate about all these like he's like right away we're getting rid of drinking straws because they're, you know, bad for animals and then somebody comes along and they're like, but disabled people can't, you know, they need a straw so then he's like, and, and his daughter's running for like high school sophomore president she's like that was my campaign to i don't know anyway totally off topic but he's like (laughs) i'll buy a metal straw for everybody if i have to like he's kind of got these good sides but like one episode opens up where he's like entering this cannabis like opening this dispensary and he's like trucks are good for all now and the dispensary owner's like hey dude have a have a gummy (laughs) and he eats a couple of gummies and his pr person's like you did what and then he goes to meatless mondays at the school and he's eating the the pizza <laughs> they're like they're like no pictures no memes we can't have a meme and he oh rolls goodness. up to, it's hysterical because he gets so stoned off of these two gummies
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry that's pretty funny. I mean, I, i've seen a few I've seen a few South Park episodes too, where you know they're they're taking on the uh, the legal marijuana market in in the little South Park community on, on that cartoon show. That's pretty funny too. Well, that's where I've
0: always thought it's going to be. Hollywood is going to change it ultimately. It's going to come down to me. That's where all policy comes from. Like, it's really all about Hollywood.
1: I mean, is it about making it mainstream and acceptable? Is it about just? Oh yeah, it's about normal normalizing it in everyday conversation. Because people are
0: going to have to vote on it, and people are going to want to know: Should I vote yes for this? Should I not? I've been fed all this. What's true? What's not true? And and where do our opinions really formed? Movies, TV shows, like really, that's where it becomes. You know, Will and Grace you know a lot of people link i mean not that activists we need grassroots we need all this stuff but ultimately i think if people are going to feel safe about voting for something that they have for years been told all these misinformation and and it, the science is not in we don't know because we couldn't even research it i mean you
1: know we're getting there
0: is like to me i think the scary part is when people smoke pot and drink and then they get in a car and drive
1: for sure. Yes. Or
0: even like you're saying, you know, that thunderbolt or whatever it is that just knocks you for a loop. Or I don't know about the edible, you know, I don't I don't really know about a lot of it, but I have certainly interacted with my fair share of people and have seen you know what's good what's not good like there were some drunks that I could not even talk to years ago that now they're like productive members of society now that they're on cannabis whereas when they were drunks they just drove me crazy and I'm in a very poor socially economic, um, you know, we have the second highest unemployment county in the state compared to only the reservation has higher unemployment than the county I'm living in. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of parents that feel I, you know, I'm an elementary school teacher by trade, and I fought with teachers for years. Why did that parent buy a 12 pack and a, you know, beer on Christmas instead of, well, you know, it's because the heartbreak of not being able to put the sneakers under the tree and not be able to afford the big dinner. It's, you know, that 12 pack costs 12 bucks compared to they can get drunk really easy and forget about the fact that they can't find a job that pays a decent wage. So they can, you know, it's not perfect, but I have never met a drunk That wouldn't get off their bars. I I guess it was because I was shocked that these drunks that I never thought would ever go to work were offered jobs making $125 a day actually moved to Texas for like three months and showed up for work. Because they were finally offered a decent pay. And that's kind of when it kind of clicked for me. I was like, wait, you went and you did this job because somebody actually offered you? But no, are they going to go to the town pump for the rest of their lives to make $6 an hour and still not be able to have Christmas presents under the tree? My husband and I have not had Christmas presents under our tree for 3 years mm-hmm. like I have not been like I had an incident in 2016 where my car got broken into and my checking account ended up getting closed and like I am crawling out of that hole mm-hmm. I have finally moved from a $400 credit score up into the 600s I've got most I paid off four credit cards this year finally like it's just been a long spot. Like I know the stories of the working poor. I've been the working poor. I know what it's like to strive for the American dream. I don't want to be rich. I just want to be comfortable. I want to know that I'm making a decent paycheck. Like my paycheck when I was 21 in New Jersey, working for a bank was not much smaller than my paycheck today at 53 with almost 15 years of teaching experience like that's what kills me i made almost 1600 bucks a month then now i'm getting just over two thousand dollars a month i have a college degree now i've i get at least five years of teaching experience every time i get a job like i've been trying to get out of the classroom because of all sorts of things but one is the plus They don't even offer me health insurance. They want me to pay for my own health insurance. The plan was the high deductible health insurance plan that came with a $6,000 deductible that had no benefits, like no preventative care, no mammogram, no anything. I was able to get a plan under the Affordable Care Act that cost me $250 last year because my teaching paycheck was so small. Teaching third grade full time at a school with all this experience like my life has been crazy and it's just like i argue with people don't tell me people choose to be poor that they're too lazy to go to work my one of the teachers next door to me she's having a baby this year she's having to pay almost 20,000 out of pocket mm. on top of the deductible
1: there's so much that's backwards in our country that needs to be fixed for sure I, meanwhile I agree. and and you know adding- cannabis add a cannabis arrest to that yeah like imagine getting arrested for cannabis and then then you're you know if you're a student you lose your you you lose your student aid like they just make it worse and worse for you and
0: we, what's it costing us to lock these
1: people in prisons
0: we're taking people away from the homes I just finished reading Kamala Harris's biography and uh, autobiography and I love it because she wants to Help. I mean, she's a problem solver, that woman. And she talks about getting these people's records expunged if they come back, you know, trying to keep them out of prison to begin with, yes. um, you know, systematic poverty. Like, as a white person, I don't have to worry I that somebody's just going to say, hey, pull out your pockets. Hey, I'm pulling you over because of the color of my skin. Like, I have mm-hmm. a lot of privilege. As a white person that like she growing up in Oakland, California, you know, didn't didn't have. And that these people are locked up in jail for an herb that maybe's gonna keep them from taking the gateway drug of drinking or keep them off of opioids or heroin, which also at the end of her book, she details like where did this opioid addiction come from? Big pharma prescribing it, like doctors literally getting their licenses, um, suspended if they weren't prescribing enough of the,
1: well, like, it's insane. Yeah. There's incentives uh, from the drug companies. Um, my mother was a nurse actually um, in the nineties and early two thousands. And she's like, Oh yeah. Pharmaceutical reps. They come take you to a nice steak dinner and show you, show you the drugs and they just, you know, nudge suggests that you go with their drugs. So yes, they are spending money to wine and dine the doctors and the nurses in order to get their, their preferences of, of, of their drug being prescribed. That's true. So that's just a anecdote that I heard from, from my mother, um, who's retired for many years now, but I do remember um, in the nineties when I was in high school, she was every once in a while going to a nice little steak dinner on, on behalf of a pharmaceutical company. Pretty funny, huh? Do you ever watch
0: The Big Bang Theory? Oh yeah. So you know how like Penny becomes the pharmaceutical rep and Bernadette works for, you know, she, Bernadette makes the most money of all of them combined practically because <laughs> she's like my company um invented and cured restless eye syndrome one day or something you know? <laughs> like we make it's like so funny because she's like the smallest little scientist of all of them the squeaky little mouse yeah. but she <laughs> makes the most money of all of them and and then yes. and then the funny thing is my embolic who plays um she's actually a neuroscientist in, in real life. life and she knows yeah. all the medicine that the rest of them are actors and then when penny gets the job as the pharmaceutical rep and starts making more than her doctorate boyfriend and and the, the it's just a funny i don 't know, yeah, I think it's funny, but the, again, Hollywood like it drives me crazy that pennies just last night, they show it over and over in the promos, she points at her tits, she's like, "I got a new swimsuit, and these babes have like are paying for drinks tonight, like that's where I feel like Hollywood, you want to get a rid of abortions, Republicans, quit letting actresses be on t v jumping into bed on one night stands saying it's okay to get drunk and have sex with these people. Like there's your, and you Democrats who want to be pro choice, get rid of people having sex on TV constantly without being married. (laughs) (laughs) quit showing, you know, the devil wears Prada. Um, There's three movies that drive me crazy where the woman has an affair and the guy takes her back. She has a one night stand. The devil wears Prada. um, There's two others. And I'm just like, these men would not really date these women if they really, you know, like I just don't think, and just, there's so much premarital, like nobody thinks about it, but yet you're complaining about, Too many, you know, my mom's like, oh, poor parent. I'm like, well, their website says one in four women have an abortion. In 2020, one in four women in the United States should not be having an abortion. Why are they getting pregnant before, you know, because we show them it's okay to jump in bed with people constantly without thinking of the consequences. Like, it just has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Bethany, what else do you want to share? (laughs) Uh? But I do think it is Hollywood that's going to make it. You know, I love Jennifer Inniston because she smokes more joints in movies than anybody else. She Mm -hmm. does make it look like it's acceptable. Um, And I think that's where we're going to have to go. And I'm excited about this new Chardonnay book that just came out February 2020 that this woman, Heather Abbott, wrote that talks about... although it's kind of weird. Like it's the new Chardonnay is actually like some drink that doesn't taste anything like cannabis. It just kind of gives you a a feel. It's kind of like what you're talking about, that you want something lighter that people can drink where they can get the effects for soccer moms that don't want to be so blown over. um, Don't want to smoke a joint because they're, you know, they care about their bodies. They go to yoga. They want the health benefits. Uh, We haven't even touched on the Rick Simpson cannabis oil that WebMD now says is proven to kill cancer cells in laboratory animals and others. If we have had a cancer cure that we could have been using all these years Come on. To me, that's the number one thing. I don't even care if you can smoke a joint. I don't care about anything else. If there's a possibility that there's a cure for cancer right now, that now WebMD says is okay, let's get to growing some cannabis and find out. To say nothing of like all the uses of hemp, you know, that building and you know we're back to logging montana again like crazy like cutting down these trees that are like my granddaughter and i got in an argument she's like we need a log around here i'm like how old do you think the trees that are left do you think plum creek would have left if there were trees they could market no they cut them all they're selling their lands and moved to georgia Because you can grow a tree in 20 years in Georgia. There aren't many trees left that are 300 years old. You want to cut down these 300 year old trees? No. No. I don't think that's what we want. Let's grow some hemp paper. Let's make some hemp clothes. Let's make some hemp oil. That's good for, you know, people are always telling me you should eat hemp protein. I want to grow hemp protein. They want me to pay $400 for a test plot.
1: Mm, mm-hmm yeah i mean the, the that's the farm... where my
0: frustration comes in i want to be able totally. to grow my own hemp seed
1: sorry yeah it, it's frustrating when it feels like incremental slow glacial pace progress at the federal level and and that's just how it works but the the farm bill um of 2019 had uh some really interesting hemp provisions. so um i am optimistic that we can start to see more hemp production in the U S for those things you're mentioning, like, geez, textiles, um, uh, hemp Crete, let's build houses with yes. hemp for the homeless. I mean, let's do it. Right. Um, for and everybody, and you mentioned also, um, you know, the science is coming around to showing what cannabis can do in addition to the feel good side, right. The relaxation, help you fall asleep kind of stuff. I got to tell you, uh, i I read this study. It was from Italian and European scientists. It was almost fifteen years ago at this point. People have been doing research in Europe for a long time. So oh, t- yeah? oh, yeah, Israel in particular, um th- there's very famous um uh, Israeli medical professional there. I, I has it's uh I'll have to look up his name real quick. I'm blanking, but um but yeah, there was a study I read many years ago. Um, that the scientists took, let's say, 12 different strains of cannabis and tested it in the lab to try to kill 12 different strains of MRSA. That's the super bug, that's the staph infection that's resistant to regular antibiotics. So it was 100% effective. Now, <laughs> personal anecdote <laughs> in 2008, living in Maryland, I was bit by a brown recluse spider in my sleep and it also gave me a MRSA infection. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. So one bite scar, but then another scar from where I had to have surgery where the MRSA infection went a little crazy. I cannot get that month and a half of my life back. I had IV infusions of a very expensive um, uh, antibiotic for two weeks, and I'm I'm still here. I was also smoking a lot of cannabis. I mean, I I still do. So it was in my bloodstream. Of course, this is all anecdotal. I'm not a scientist. I'm not <laughs> not claiming anything specific. But I'd like to think it helped save my life. In addition to the Western medicine practices, you know, going in the hospital, getting the treatment from the doctors, getting the IV infusion of the antibiotic, and I was an outpatient. So go home, consume a lot of cannabis um, for pain, too, because I was in pain um, and I was scared and I had an infection in my body. So it just so happened right after I recovered, I read that article and I was just like eyes wide, mind blown, jaw to the floor. Oh, my gosh. Cannabis kills MRSA. This is wild. But we haven't proven that here in the U.S. because we don't have the as much research, and we need more research here in the U.S., and that's another thing NCIA's lobbyists push for as our legislative priorities. We need the research that's happening overseas to be replicated here under U.S. Um, testing so that the U.S. can say, oh, okay, well, we did it too, so we guess it's true. Is it this guy, Raphael? Machulam, yes a
0: biochemist yes. and professor at hebrew Uni- hebrew university in jerusalem you found oh, him i can't wait
1: to read this okay cool yeah he is well right. bethany i am so
0: glad you were saved and you're here today to share with us
1: <sighs> me too i mean <laughs> uh yeah yeah I, i'm here i must be here for, for a reason so off we go <laughs> okay i didn't mean to interrupt your story sorry Oh no, that was the story. Yeah. I mean, long story short, there's, there's research out there in Israel and in Europe and in other countries where they're looking at the medical efficacy of cannabis. Um, and actually the next policy paper that NCIA is putting out will be on medical research in the U S. Um, so it's probably going to be out uh conservatively i'll say it'll be out in april um our latest policy paper if you don't mind me mentioning it real quick is actually oh, about good. it's about gender parity in the cannabis industry so um you know there's this perception that it's kind of a bro industry right there's you know there's a lot of middle-aged white guys running the industry and you know while that's true in some ways there's um there's plenty of women that are growers there's plenty of women that are business owners. Um, so, this paper is the latest one in our industry reports section of the cannabisindustry.org. You can just go to thecannabisindustryorg reports. We actually worked with the ArcView group on this one. So, there's like 12 to 15 different individuals who worked on this paper. So, we're looking at pay equality, leadership. Uh, raising capital and it's about being uh you know creating parity in ownership in this industry so um what does parity mean and who's um, arcview uh the arcview group is like the shark tank or investor forum of the cannabis industry um and that person i mentioned earlier that back in 2003 that got me into uh the activism side uh, as a serious activist he actually co-founded arcview group um so it's 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 awesome also to go you know I've, i've been an activist for like 17 18 years at this point and like we were just little baby activists back then and now now we're doing the thing in an industry a legal regulated industry which i am just grateful for all the time to be honest um, but parity would would is a similar word to like equality. Um, so th- oh. they were very careful in their word choices. So I, I would definitely recommend it's actually a series of like six little individual papers that take deep dives into those different segments I mentioned. Um it's fascinating, and there's a couple more papers coming, but you can start looking at the first few sections um, on our website. And I know this is a grower podcast, so the paper we put out before that is actually about environmental sustainability um, and best management practices and policy considerations for the cultivation side when it comes to the environmental sustainability, because honestly, we do have a big uh, footprint, so uh, it's important to manage um, our environmental uh, impact as well as a cannabis industry. So I just wanted to plug our policy reports um, in the industry reports section of our website. But of course, there's just so much good information um, on our website overall, because it's it's a collaboration of just about everybody in the industry, a lot of people in the industry uh, contributing content, best practices, advice, um, how to run your business better, And taking a deep dive into these specific issues, like how many women are in the C-suite in the cannabis industry, or what are we doing to manage our environmental sustainability um, as a cannabis industry? So, you know, we're we're pushing... What are
0: we doing to manage sustainability? (laughs) Because I feel like that is low man on the totem pole for what I've seen. Like, I am... You know that's something that really bothers me. All these indoor grows and all the chemicals people put on it. And sure, what we, is
1: happening? There's a. I mean, of course, everything's different state to state. But you know, you know, some states have that requirement where well, it has to be indoors because we don't want the public to be able to see it from the street. So there's one reason um, they went indoor, but there's other reasons too. You have more control. Um, but thinking about how we use land, how we use water and yeah, how we're using energy. Like there's, there's the sun out there. Maybe we can combine using the sun with controlling our HVAC and lighting, right? Maybe there's a way to, um, manage our, the waste that comes out because there's, there's lots of waste that comes out of growing. Um, so there, there's a lot to consider. So, um, the, the paper really it's, a, this is a big paper. Uh, it's usually our policy papers. We try to keep them to like 12 to 15 pages. This has a lot in there. Um, so if, if you're into growing, if you're into sustainable environmental practices, um, I really recommend you download this paper and dive into it for sure. Do
0: you get a lot of feedback about the problem with like driving while intoxicated or under the influence the that seems to be the biggest complaint to me that I hear people say but what about all the accidents in Colorado what about all the increase in hospital visits
1: um yeah I don't have those stats in front of me I mean when legalization first happened you know you've got the people that don't know how to use it so there's you know, occasionally going to be cases where it's unfortunate, of course, but the regulated market prevents it, and this is why we have, um, you know, child safety packaging. Um, there's there's things that are put in place to prevent someone who's not supposed to have it, like a child, um, or or the education of start low, go slow, is to prevent that. I don't know. Do you remember when Maureen Dowd came to Denver and? took a bunch of edibles she's a tv reporter took a bunch of edibles and did a segment with her rolling around laughing in her hotel room or something that was that was that was kind of annoying right but i guess they were trying to prove a point that if you take too much you know with great freedom comes great responsibility whether you're consuming alcohol or cannabis or or if you're taking medication that's prescribed to you with great freedom comes great responsibility. That's what being an adult's about. So um, the education factor is super important. Start low, go slow. Don't eat the whole bag. <laughs> Don't eat the whole candy bar. I mean, so, and, and there's also statistics. And if that you why- do,
0: do it after you've gone to bed. Just like if you were going to drink
1: a glass of wine. You got it. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm saying is after legalization, there was a little bump, I believe, just because people were woo getting excited. I don't know, um, but everything settled out. And like I said, I don't have the stats in front of me. But what's interesting about probability and statistics is that you know if you're trying to prove a point, um, the the you know Project uh, Sam, which is anti-marijuana legalization, they're out to skew the statistics to say. There's been more accidents, there's been more hospitalizations, but when you look at the data from another angle, there may have been a quick, you know, uh, bump in that right after legalization, but it, it honestly, there's fewer, more people have switched from binge drinking alcohol to consuming cannabis. Um, people have now that it's an option, some people are taking that option, you know, so just. That's why it's important to have access to it because some people prefer cannabis. But if you live in a state without legal cannabis and you can just go get a bottle of liquor versus getting arrested for two joints, what choice are you going to make, right?
0: And college is the same way. I mean, would Michael Phelps have chosen to smoke pot if he felt better? I mean, there's an elite athlete you know, he knew it worked for him. I think that's the thing. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, but you know, how many people are okay with a, what is it? The martini
1: lunch? Like three martini lunches back. Yeah. I read that. It's a, yeah, it's a tax thing now. I can't believe that was a thing. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not old enough for that, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I never I even drink martini one martini
0: lunch. Like just the smell of it makes me sick.
1: Yeah. I don't like hard liquor myself. Um, Well, I'm a gin and tonic girl,
0: but I don't like martinis for some... I grew up in a family. My dad had a martini every night. My mom still (laughs) loves a good martini. My sister-in-law comes over and, um, you know, at the holidays, they all have martinis. I'm a gin and tonic girl. I like gin and tonics, but I don't like martinis for some reason. So I kind of grew up in that. It's okay. They're all okay with their booze all the time. Um, And I just feel like, you know yeah like you said adults people should have a choice i think it's better for a lot of people personally Mm -hmm. i've seen a lot of drunks turn from that to something that i think is better for them i don't think it's for everybody i don't think they mix well Uh -uh. necessarily um
1: i agree with all that i mean yes taking personal these are complaints
0: that i've I've heard a lot. The big complaints are, um, oh my gosh, this new pot just I tried it and like it knocked me off my butt. I couldn't, you know. I hear from a lot of people, no way, I'm not voting for it because have you tried this stuff nowadays? Um, the other big feedback I hear all the time, oh, look at all the new accidents in ho- Colorado, look at all yeah. the emergency room visits that are up. Um, so you know, and I'm a natural educator, so it's something that I see. And then, you know, I've been affected by cancer. I see people like to me, like the heartbreak parents going from Kansas to Colorado. Like every time I hear a story about a kid with a seizure, I'm just like, are you serious? I know, I know. And then when I see like these stories about cancer, oh, we can put roundup all over our, our um, lawns that increases the rate of cancer in pets and toddlers you know this is okay they haven't necessarily found the link between roundup and autism but you know they there's definite like rise in autism since the 70s rise in roundup since the 70s you know are we you know i there's no definite concrete proof but you know these things are okay we can smoke we can have guns people can go in and shoot up our kids in schools like last year just the whole idea of attending the shooting training gave me anxiety for like a month and a half before like from the day the principal told me we're gonna have an active shootout they're gonna send someone from the police department to pretend they're the active shooter you're gonna hide in the classroom the anxiety from
1: that was so stressful i'm so sorry yeah i know I'm so sorry. I can't
0: even imagine like what it's like to actually like all those people and and these things are all okay. You know, I know people have gone to jail for, you know, a stupid joint or whatever. Like it just seems so contradictory and maybe that's why I'm you know so passionate about it to say nothing of like I want to put hemp seed oil salad dressing on my salad but it's so (laughs) ridiculously expensive I can't afford it you know I want to buy the stuff that's really good for me like I you know I've been studying this for years I want to build a house out of hemp I want to we had a hemp business back in the 90s I used to make backpacks so we imported hemp cloth like my friend Joanne made these hemp seed treats like I was kind of Aww. we used to go around to craft fairs and sell hemp products so I know a lot about the benefits of hemp I met Jack here you know, who wrote the emperor wears no clothes. Like it's something we thought we were going to change it back in the nineties. And then on top of that, at Christmas, what do I do? I walk into Walmart here, buy a hemp bracelet for your 13 year old to make, you know, and it's like the contradictory, but overall, I want um, science for safety to be the hashtag of the next decade, whether it's wear a mask you know, get rid of abortions pro cannabis, like let's freaking embrace
1: science. It's better for us. For sure. Um, I know we're at the top of the hour here, but I guess um the final thoughts I would I would say to when you posed for you know the 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 question people have about oh but this stuff is so much stronger now. Honestly, my, my pushback is, you know what? It's, it's required to be tested in a lab. It's grown in a controlled environment. It is safer than safer than ever before. Um, it, in fact, it's tested for heavy metals, for toxins, for fungus, for other things you don't even think about that definitely were not being tested for in the illicit market. And if you're afraid of children getting a hold of it, the illicit market does not check ID. A regulated yeah, market right? does.
0: Right? Yep. And, and why is it so potent? Because you can only grow eight plants because people started growing it in their closet and they figured out how to make it more potent because you could only grow one plant. If you could grow as many cannabis plants as you could backyard tomatoes, people would grow lower potency pot. The number one reason it's so potent is people were pushed into closets, Pushed into smaller spaces, the number of plants you had made them develop that. Trying to get their
1: bang for their buck, right?
0: Yeah. Outdoor, you know, like they say, it grows like a weed let's get back to the stuff that grew like a weed that wasn't potent that you did smoke in the seventies. <laughs> I, I, that's agree. where it came from. Your legal market is what has pushed the potency level. So thank you for being so eloquent. You're probably like, I got to go. Did you leave my me message in the chat? This is, I got to go. Sorry. Thank you oh, so it's much. Bethany.
1: It's been a really fun hour and I've, I've enjoyed chatting with you and, and I hope, um, you know, some of the resources I've shared are helpful to, to you and your listeners as well. Um, I hope everyone, uh, if you don't mind me plugging my podcast, uh, look yes. up. And, yes. And yes. Awesome. Um, you can find NCIA's cannabis industry voice on just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. We are um, in the top 50 us business news category for Apple podcasts, actually. So over 200 episodes over four years, I'm still doing it every week. So, um, check out that podcast too. Absolutely. And leave her a five-star review on iTunes
0: so more people can find it.
1: Oh, thank thank you. you. Uh, Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me and, uh, grow happy. Thanks. (laughs) Bye.
0: Happy. I love it. Hey, just super quick. Hey, if you ever need a guest, let me know. (laughs) You got it. Thank you, Jack. Have a good one. Okay. Bye.